Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! Against Gill, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall with my guys Rowett and Mike Talks and Kicks. I just saw that uh our fourth our fourth uh amigo here is uh is is in the text chat but not on with us tonight. Robbie uh Robbie is very opinionated about tonight's topic and he wanted to make sure that we share with you all his thoughts on what we're going to talk about. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll leave that as the teaser uh, <laughs> for this episode. But how are you guys doing? Oh, man, doing good. I'm... We're uh, just ready for this week to be over. We take our annual family trip to, to the beach at the end of the week. So just trying to push through right now. Nice. You got this, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I'm doing better because I've got Robbie Statler and Waldorf commentary going off on our phone threads because <laughs> the man is a living, breathing, and I mean this in the nicest way, imaginable troll. Like, just when you think he's about to zig, he zags, and he does it in the most humorous way. So I'm thankful Robbie is in our life, keeping it real as only he can. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um so I guess before we get into tonight's topic, which is going to be uh, some really interesting news on uh, Nike's new kind of uh, move to zero waste and also some of the new basketball stuff that they are dropping that I think is uh, just a really interesting topic to dive into, as Mike mentioned, right? Like the, the hyperdunk uh, just was such a game changer that nike almost hasn't caught up with that so i'm pretty excited to talk about this stuff with you guys let's let's get into what are you guys rocking what are you guys copping yeah so let me grab it so what i'm rocking today thanks to the nice people over at reebok is the omni pump 2 dude i i know robbie got on the other day he didn't quite like to fit but man this thing is to me is super comfortable i think maybe have a slimmer foot than him but super soft like leather uh really nice to wear i wore it running a couple of errands today and I like it, man. Definitely a fan. Um, Coppin, I am waiting for this uh, this answer four to come back out. It is uh, slated for February, or February uh, April fifteenth drop in that white and red color. So, waiting for that one because I sold my pair I had a years back. So I really kind of regret it, and I'm happy to get maybe get another pair. And um, have a bit of a story about another cop. I didn't tell you guys. I want to wait till we got on air because it's kind of ridiculous. So I bought a particular pair of shoes. It was the, uh, oh my, the, uh, the, the Unity, the uh, Cosmic Unity. Cosmic Unity, yeah. And bought it from a particular store. I don't want to say them out loud because I don't want to jinx myself. And it was, they never showed up. 
I got a, uh, I didn't get a cancellation order, but I got a refund. Okay. But I called them. So it was like, hey, just kind of be really ambiguous, kind of see what they're going to say. Like, oh, no, they should be shipping out on April 2nd. I'm like, like I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to see what happens now because it's a possibility that there's like just a major flaw in someone's system that may get a random pair of shoes. Why not? That's because crazy. For all the sneakers that you've lost, I'm barely Mike. This is you getting one back. <laughs> I think system. this is like the sneaker <laughs> no, guy. We'll give you one, maybe, maybe. It's not for sure yet. But I keep I've checked twice now. They're like, yeah, we have your order. Uh, we're gonna ship it out in a second. I'm like, right, bye. <laughs> now I was gonna say, Mike. Like, do you even ask for the tracking number at that point because you don't want to jinx it? Because then they might be like, wait a minute, this order was canceled. <laughs> Well, I have the order number already. They're like, oh, you have your order number? Like, yeah, here it is. They're like, oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, we have it in the log. It, we just had a backup. It should be shipping out on the 2nd of April. I'm like, cool, that's all I needed. Uh, yeah. We'll see what happens. Your I mean, homies. if I don't get them, I don't get them. But I just thought it was very interesting that there's just such a flaw in the system somewhere. No, no yeah, flaw. that's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I mean, How about you, this way, the cosmic, yeah, well, the cosmic unity has been one of my coppins in a while, but I think the colorway that I like, the space hippie colorway, is coming out in the near future, maybe even this yeah. weekend. So maybe that'll be one of my cops. But uh, what I rock today, I actually had a, I go back to by Nike Sock Dart cargo khakis. Um, it's a very, very underrated shoe. Like I always thought that was a spiritual successor to the Roshi because of the fact that they could do so much with the colorways and the materials on it, but. I don't think it got its proper due, but very comfortable shoe, pairs well with whatever you have on. So that was my rock. And then for my cop, I'd mentioned the Space Hippie colorway of the Cosmic Unity, but I put in a bid for the Nike Del uh, Dunk Gulf Low 58s. We'll see if I get it or not. Ooh, okay. That's one of the shoes that's been really frustrating because if you're a member of our Patreon, we have this lovely channel within that lets you know when all the different raffles are for some of these high heat mm -hmm. shoes. And what was frustrating to me was I would see the notification that, oh, yeah, there's a raffle for this shoe. It's on March 25th. And then when I would look and be like, wait, it, I got notified on March 30th. WTF? Like, what, what the fudge? What's going on? So I'm hoping I get them because I think it's a lovely shoe. And I think the fact that one of my co-hosts is a big racing fan and his love of all things racing has kind of been transposed to me. So I figured I'd get my Nick Engvall on and try for those shoes. Right on. Right on. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I, the last couple of days, have been wearing the DJ AM Dunks. Uh, okay. So uh, one of my, I mean, one of my favorite people in the sneaker world, um, you know, from back in the day. And uh, it, it's it's on our, like, little shared calendar of events where, uh, you know, he was born, uh, I guess, while we are recording this yesterday. Um so I like pulled them out earlier in the week and, and just uh, kind of been wearing them regularly for the last few days. It's just such a dope, like it's the story of him being a DJ, the connection to like the patent with the vinyl. Like it's like, it's a well thought design and um, rare that I wear like dunk highs. So um, it, it was, it's one of those shoes where I was like, oh, I should just keep these out for a little while. But um yeah, it's also like one of those things where you just kind of, kind of miss the uh, the energy that he brought um, to the community because I think like 
you know, if you if you're not familiar with DJ AM, uh, he was part of the Air Max crew, which was um, basically was it Ben Baller, DJ AM, and DJ Homicide. Which you know, back back in the day, all these guys were fairly well known. You know, in the music community, in the entertainment world, like the Hollywood spots and stuff. But they were also like super active on Nike Talk, and um, you know, like the, we'll have to we'll have to try to get like you know, I would love to get Homicide or, or Ben Baller or both of them on the podcast at some point. But um, the, they just were an important part of like kind of kind of taking sneakers mainstream um, and, and DJ AM specifically, you know, was a kind of one of the first people to wear a pair of Jordan ones to the Grammys and all of that stuff. So uh, really kind of a, a, a staple in my like sneaker history, you know, collective mindset with this whole um, thing that we do. So, but anyway, uh, shifting to like what I was actually interested in copping that Reebok Instapump like digital glow looks like something straight out of Tron. Like I, I just yeah. want, I like absolutely want a pair of those. Um, and then the other shoe that like really caught my eye, um, obviously I'm a big baseball fan, baseball starting up again. Uh, and they are, uh, Nike's doing a, a Griffey Max, a Jackie Robinson edition. So I've got like the Jackie Robinson Adidas that they did a few years back. I've got Jackie Robinson Adidas cleats that they did as tributes a few years back. So um, obviously, you know, I, I would argue that he's like the most important baseball player of all time. Um, you know, everybody's going to have a, a slightly different opinion on that, but I don't think the game really ever gets to the point it's at now without him. So uh, that one for me is definitely something I, I really want to add to kind of the, the collection and display cases and stuff. So um, yeah. That's a good looking shoe. Um, that is a great yeah. looking shoe. Yeah, and and you know, uh, in a in a future episode, I think uh, a very uh, near future episode, we'll get into kind of the nuances of baseball and and sneakers because it's it's really interesting um, the kind of the the way that it's become disconnected, right? Like, there's just not enough mm-hmm. connection between the sport and off the court, off the field um, sneakerheads. So um, that'll be like a, a fun one for me to get into too because. Um, depending on when you listen to this, like have another conversation coming up around tennis and like the same kind of thing happened in tennis. And I wondering, like it's all coming from like me just looking at the current state of things where everybody's like connected to this whole hype cycle. And like, we have to be online for this, ready for this Mm -hmm. confirmed app, Nike sneakers. If you're not there, you missed out kind of thing. And, um, I just feel like there's a lot of opportunity to look at other awesome things that are existing you know, as we all kind of funnel into these same places, but, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, but, uh, so we don't have a review to read this week, but, uh, you know, you guys could help us out with that if you wanted to, we wouldn't take it personally. Uh, feel Uh, free to leave us a terrible review if you want. No, no, please. Let's do this. Let's meet halfway. So write us a terrible review. Like, be nasty. Tell me I stink. Tell me I know nothing about sneakers. But give us five stars. That's all I care about. Well, it. It's a good, a good balance. To help you. <laughs> help me to help you, listener. Because, I mean, I told my wife just now, I was like, please write us a review. And she goes, a review? I said, doesn't matter where. 
In fact, if you want to just write down a note card and put it on the fridge and give me your login information, I'll, I'll type it up on your behalf. I'll handle it myself. Just write us a review. Because unfortunately or fortunately, it's the lifeblood. And if you continue to like the stuff that we do, and I kind of think most of you do because you keep coming back for more, it, it goes a long way. Hey, I'm going to take that a step further, though. Although I do want to see the reviews on Apple, Audible, you know, follow us on Spotify, of the many places you can subscribe on whatever <laughs> pl podcast platform, YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. If you want to write down your review and stick it on your own refrigerator and snap us a picture of that, I'll send you some sneaker history stickers at least, if nothing else. Just tag us on Instagram, tag us on no. Twitter, because I just think that would be hilarious. Uh, <laughs> Things to do. Review sneaker history. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> What other sneaker-based podcast has a stenographer <laughs> capability on yeah. deck? We offer a whole new service. Like, come on, we're making your lives easier. It's the only redeeming quality about the American legal system is the stenographer. <laughs> so thank you for that. Shout we were willing that. to be your stenographer, like I said. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, um, I, I think uh, the other part of, of you know, as, as Rowan alluded to, the Discord community that we have is awesome. Um, we are about to give away uh, a bunch of products, uh, some Jordan, a couple pairs of Jordan ones, mm -hmm. um, Nordstrom like Jordan shoulder bag that was like one of fifty or something uh, that I was able to get a couple years back down in uh, Beverly Hills. Oh. Um, when <laughs> okay, yeah, it, it, it was it was it was a fancy time in my life. Um, you know, I just <laughs> no. <laughs> No, it's uh, it actually a really dope bag. Um, you can see it on the Instagram, or obviously if you're in the Discord, it's in the giveaways uh, channel in there. But uh, yeah, we're really trying to kind of get everybody in there, I, I would say pre uh, our next trivia night, because that is one of the funnest things we've done, I think, as a community. Um, and uh, as much as like I have pretty much lived and breathed sneakers for the past you know, 20, 30 years, there was still some. Uh, there was still a couple of questions that stumped me on it. So, um, it's it's a fun time, and it's it's definitely a, a cool time to learn and, and kind of learn about new things within the sneaker world that normally don't get talked about. But mm -hmm. all right, now that the now that our now that our business is over, <laughs> I think we should start with the. Let's start with the Nike outlet story because okay. I think uh, I think. Robbie's hot take has to be the uh, the hook at the end where people got to stick around for it. Yes, but uh, one of the one of our uh, one of our friends in our Discord community, Matt, uh, sent me a couple of pictures today from a Nike outlet that is near him, uh, and he sent a picture. We posted it on the Sneaker History Instagram, and it's basically uh, a section of refurbished shoes on the you know the back wall kind of like the hash wall section but it's specifically called out as refurbished and uh i believe the uh the sign above was like new and uh gently what was worn it yeah gently worn, worn. It, and uh, i think the other one said something along the lines of uh you know nike's uh moved moved to zero mm -hmm. initiative which you know we we've talked a lot about that throughout like some of the footwear like design and some of the manufacturing process and the materials that they've been choosing. But uh, I don't know. What do you guys think about Nike having a wall of refurbished shoes? I just find it fascinating. Well, this makes more sense to me 
for the move to zero as opposed to keep putting out more and more and more shoes saying we're using recycled materials. This, this is actually, this, I, I like this move um, because you're actually recycling those same shoes. You're not just letting them float around in a world doing, you know, who knows what, but you're doing something to keep them in rotation as opposed to having to produce more, which, I mean, they're still producing more shoes, but you're, you're getting into the hands of somebody to, I guess, I guess recycle them, which is cool. Um, my question is, like, what are you going to find? Like, you're going to find something, like, really cool in there that's been beat down. Like, it has to be, like, some, some good, like, Jordan 1s in there just, like, someone just, like, t- cast aside and it's like, all right, on to the next one. It's put it this way, as a fan of that back wall, because almost every single sneaker trip I ever took as a kid, we went straight to the back of the sneaker store because that's where we live. That's where what we could afford was displayed. And if we were feeling particularly froggy, then we would jump to the front of the store and see like, okay, like let's look at this display. To the point that both these guys have made is it's almost going to be a buffet style where you don't know what you're going to get, but I guarantee you there's always going to be one shoe that you're going to be like, who, who gave this up? And it's like, oh, it's got a smudge? Let me go ahead and clean this up. I know that for me, I once contributed, and this might be the biggest flex I've had on Sneaker History Podcast. So I remember buying the 2K4 All-Star Harachis from Sneakers. And at the time, I was a Nike employee, so I thought, hmm, I'm going to get this uh, employee discount even though I bought through Sneakers. I did not. And me being a cheap ass, I was like, I'm going to return these because I want full price. So I went to the employee store, returned those sneakers, and I was like, okay, you know, lesson learned sneakers isn't about that employee discount life, but good lesson to learn about a relatively cheap pair. Two weeks later, I see my same exact pair in the back wall at the new discounted rate, and I'm like, yes, I will do this. So in a way, I put the reverse layaway on them. And if more people can do what I consider to be the Tracy McGrady alley-oop off the backboard to themselves, why not? That's fantastic. I... That you deserve that a Hall of Fame jersey just for that that move right there. <laughs> no, when yeah, when that jersey is being lifted, I'm gonna cry a single tear, <laughs> or maybe two tears for the two weeks it took from the back wall back into my collection. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I I I'm right there with you. Like the 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 hash wall, the back wall is always the the spot to go to, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm all about like continuing the cheapness that my parents instilled in me with you know back in the day uh although they they didn't have a choice like for me it's it's now you know at least most of the time is a choice so i i continue to land back there and try to find whatever i can and i'm you know i've been a a proponent of uh gently worn and and lightly used shoes on this on this podcast for a couple of years now and uh i think it's cool that nike's doing this um so the other kind of uh, nugget of information that that Matt shared with me earlier was that uh, they are heading towards like a third of the stores having this. Um, I don't know what the date is to have that, but a huge percentage of the stores will have this kind of refurbished section. Um, I think it's awesome. I think it's a great move for Nike to do this. I will p- play a little bit of devil's advocate here and kind of my first my first thought beyond just like excited to find discounted shoes and you know all those like think about the dqms with the pen marks the you know the uh the the carmines carmines with pink the carmines. uh with the kind of like ink on them yeah with the pink but um 
they Nike also just cut ties with I think DSW, a oh. couple of the sporting goods stores. Uh, there was like five or six of them that they named in their recent you know earnings call that that kind of became a news story I think on Footwear News. But is it really doing anything if there's still the excess product? Because like if there's excess product and there's a second business existing because of it, is that better or is that? Or is, you know, like it kind of just makes me wonder like what the, what the best approach for this stuff is, because, you know, in, you know, not to be a stereotypical with the, the, the phrase, but in this economy, like more businesses in business is going to be helpful, right? Like there's plenty of people struggling to keep their businesses alive. So it, I, I kind of have mixed feelings towards it. If I think about that stuff, um, I think in general, it's obviously like they're trying to move in the right direction, even with cutting some of the partnerships, you know, at the end of the day, like everybody needs to be as efficient as possible for it to make sense for us to have the crazy amount of, you know, consumer products that are out there. But yeah. um, I don't know. Do, what do you guys think about that aspect of it? Oh, they, they got to cut some of these product lines because there's no there's no need. I mean, I guess I understand you're going to find a segment of people to buy everything. But when you go into a DSW or you go into an academy sports and outdoors or the places that sell the real, um, I don't want to, generic sounds bad. I don't want that to sound bad, but typically just the very, very inline sneakers. They don't have much of a difference. You go look at this walking shoe and this walking shoe. There's a gray midsole as opposed to white midsole, and there are two different names to them. One's a one, one's a two. I think if they start cutting things like that out, just make a singular product for that, like, if it's not one of our uh, uh, flag, flag uh, ship models, let's not do 20 million versions or variants of the one that's going to DSW slash Academy and fill in the blank. They need to cut down the product line because that's the bigger problem. Because, cool, I, I'm all for recycling the shoes and finding a new home. But at the same time, I'm like, you, I, I see what you're saying because they're just kind of double dipping in the money at that point because someone bought them. Now they're getting refurbished. Now they're making another dollar off of them. When in fact you could cut product line, save some materials, and you know shrink your carbon footprint, and then maybe donate those shoes to somebody because they've already been bought. So there's there's more better ways to do it. But like you said, they're, they're trying to move in the right direction. So I can kind of ap- applaud it for that. But there's there's better ways, and I'm sure we can all think of it. There are better ways, but I also kind of take it back to what Nike has kind of ushered in, if you will, in terms of a modern theme, right? We've kind of seen them slowly mature into being an exclusive brand. Mm -hmm. And I think this takes it to that next step because now they are truly protecting the swoosh by saying, we're not even allowing you to get it towards these channels that may or may not have weird connotations associated with them. Mm -hmm. But by putting this in Nike exclusive stores, it's that for us, by us mentality. Shout outs to Damon John, where (laughs) they are being very protective and maybe rightfully so because they feel on some level that their product is better than anything else out there. So why should something, despite it being almost an Air Monarch-esque shoe, be in a Fred Myers or a Kroger equivalent, when there is that thought that, no, let's keep this also exclusive because if it's got a swoosh on it, it deserves to have that exclusivity. It deserves to have the regalness associated with these very expensive brands like your Gucci's and your Balenciaga's. So I get why they're doing it. 
I feel as an everyman though that it's slowly fading farther and farther away from me. So I don't know. I mean, we'll see because at the end of the day, the receipts will tell the story, and if it makes sense and Nike does it, then they clearly see three moves ahead while we're only seeing one to two. Yeah. I mean, and part of that too, like with with you know, gently used, recycled, refurbished, whatever their their you know program is ends up being called for this. I, I would assume we see like an actual press release and announcement for this because it, it's such an important piece of their business right now that they should at least, at least you know, kind of shout it out and say, "Hey, look, we're doing this." It makes sense. Um, yeah. But I think the other interesting part to that is, to Rowett's point, like you know, bringing it back in house with Nike definitely makes it more comfortable for people, um, you know, as consumers to buy directly from Nike. The consumers that are buying at like an academy or, uh, you know, any of those kind of like sporting goods stores or the DSWs, they're, they're not the, like the passionate Nike consumer that Nike really wants. Right. Yeah. Even if they're not like a sneaker head, Nike wants the people that want to know more about Nike and want to know the stories behind the shoes and want to be fans of the brand because those, those customers are ultimately way more valuable than your casual, like, you know, I'm going to go in and buy the $40 pair from, you know, Kohl's or wherever. Yeah. Um, but I think that the interesting thing about it is the, um, the, the nature of consumers now, because everything has gone to online, there's probably a lot more of this product than we even realize exists, right? Like people make returns all the time. We only really think about it when there's a defect on the shoe as sneaker guys, because like, you know, generally speaking, like almost every shoe that comes out, we can either, you know, sell it to somebody in the, in the discord community, throw it on a StockX or a goat and get our money back. Like there's so many ways for us to kind of just move that and move something else in, you know, Mike's kind of the king of, of, of goat credit, you know, like, that, that's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think there's an interesting piece to that, that, um, you know, a lot of people, especially because of the pandemic, but even prior to buy a lot of stuff online and return it like that's not my nature. Like, I'm very much like I'm only buying something that I know I want. It's going to fit, blah, blah, blah. It's very rare that I get something and I'm like, oh, this is super disappointing. It doesn't fit. And I get rid of it like. Most of the time, even if I, even if it doesn't fit right, or if I don't like it as much as I thought I would, it sits in the closet or something, you know, and, and I just hang on to it. But I feel like a, there's a trend in like consumer uh, habits where not even talking about like a sneaker enthusiast, sneakerhead type consumer, but like average consumers will buy multiple products, get them, try them on and send some of that stuff back. And if that's the case, then Nike's probably dealing with a whole lot more of these, like, we can't sell them as new, but we can't, you know, what do we do with them? A lot of that stuff does end up at a Ross or a Marshall's or someplace like that, where it's like, it's been tried on, but it hasn't been worn. So like, you know, they throw it into the bucket of like, you know, kind of, uh, that, that like bulk purchasing that those, those, uh, they're not really, I guess, discount retailers yeah. approach it that way. Right. But that's also the way that they play the game with Foot Locker, too. And to, to your point, Mike, the other last thing that I find really interesting is part of this is on 
you know, companies like Foot Locker, Finish Line, Champs, East Bay, Shoe Palace, you know, pick your retailer, right? Yeah. Because one of the one of the things that all of all retailers do is they want exclusive product, right? So they want the exclusive colorway, they want an exclusive model, and the more Nike appeases those partners, the more product they end up making. Yeah. I think it makes sense in a lot of ways because why would I go to, you know, you know, take take my you know experience and and relationships out of the picture. Why does the average consumer go to a Foot Locker versus a Shoe Palace versus a Finish Line versus any other, you know, retailer? Right? Like it's. Yeah there's just not a whole lot to differentiate between the big, the big mall stores at this point. Um, other than, you know, the, the usual like rewards programs and, you know, personal connections and that kind of thing. But, um, generally speaking, I think like, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot more to this on a bigger level where I think this is just like a step in the right direction, but it's, it's a really small step to like a massive pile of, (laughs) shoes that need to be dealt with yeah it's funny you mentioned that just kind of exclusivity just kind of a small baby tangent but i remember i grew up in a small town which is a normal footlocker when i moved to houston after graduated college being able to find like a house of hoots because they were just few and far between was such an amazing feeling because of the exclusive things they have literally not every footlocker has a house of hoops and there's nothing special about it so footlocker just wants to let you know that kind of sucks because they used to have awesome stuff there now I'm literally looking at the same thing everywhere. But that was just a baby rant that Nick made me think of. That's okay, Pops. Uh, <laughs> I was just gonna say this. If I may, like, do you guys what's the end game with this? Do you think we see the possibility sooner rather than later of an all refurbished store where literally every single product in that store is a refurbished product, or do you think it's just gonna hang on as an extension of a factory store or a community door? It's going to hang on as an extension, I think, because I don't think Nike wants to do the quote-unquote right thing by trying to move, again, shrink their carbon footprint, but they don't, they're not going to spend all the time and effort because open up new brick-and-mortars. Um, you may maybe find some tabs on their website for refurbish, possibly dedicated that way, but I don't see them open up actual stores because I feel like that would be kind of counterintuitive to what you're trying to do, I think. I mean... What's that? Isn't there a site that's like uh, Rescue or something like that? Isn't there like a, a, a refurbished Nike site? I think it's called Rescue. Um, yeah, I I looked it up. It's R-E-S-K-U dot C-O. And they yeah. brand themselves as Browse Refurbished Nikes. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, so it kind of exists. I, I don't know. Like, I think it's kind of interesting because... Like Nike doesn't want to go too down, too far down this path because they obviously want to sell new, more expensive shoes. But at the same time, I don't know. You know, maybe this is a good opportunity for somebody like Mario Restores to hop in and partner with a local outlet and actually do the refurbishing for for the returns. Because one thing that I always wondered about shoes or shoe stores in general is that, you know, from, from my knowledge, my experience, any of my friends that worked in a store, or, you know, any of the people that I knew directly that worked in stores, they never did anything to refurbish or clean up a pair of shoes that someone brought back in, right? Yeah. And I think that's a missing piece to, to the equation, right? Like you could, you know, I think of like, you know, any of the sneaker cleaners that are out there, but like specifically it made me think of like Sneaker Lab and they're like kind of like 
environmentally friendly stuff like that to me would be like a legit way to like have like a certification process of like, Hey, this has been treated. This is now kind of sanitized and, and good to go back to the consumers that are looking for it. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think that, I think generally speaking, this just opens up a whole lot of other uh, conversations and, and opportunities for Nike to get creative in the way that they approach this. Um, but you know, it's, it's so hard to say too, right? Like I, th- I, c- I can't remember what the return policy is on the website, but it's definitely pretty, it's like pretty... 90 days now, man. They used to be 30. Now yeah. it's like 90. Well, and I think there, it, you probably have less people returning things after 30 days. Cause most people, most people are really like committed to a product at that point anyway. Right. Like that's kind of one of those old, like, uh, you know, bait and switch bait and hook kind of sales tactics anyway. Right. Where it's like, people forget that they even want to return it after a couple of weeks. So um, see but, people like yeah. me though, that's I'm surprised because unless it's something I've hunted down for a long time, everything's expendable. So what happens is I, I, I used to do it at Foot Locker all the time when I was, when I had things and going to the mall or whatever shoe store, I buy it. I'm like, okay, this is cool. Like I, sometimes, you know, we buy stuff on impulse and it's like crap. Why'd I do that? You wear it, you kind of look at it. Then something else comes out. You're like, Oh, I'll just switch this out. Like I'll bring it in with the receipt still within like, I'll get it like within an hour of like the, <laughs> the whatever day the policy is. And like, I just want to switch these out. And, but I'm that, like, I guess that what maybe 10% of people who take full advantage of those policies, because we just, there's too much stuff. I can't keep everything. And if I can get rid of it without making a fuss, I'm, I'm all about it. I mean, in today's day and age, if you can take money back from any sneaker that you buy, that's normalcy now. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. this generation of sneakerheads is conditioned enough to be like, oh, you know what? I hit on this pair on sneakers, but I kind of don't want them. Let me just flip these back because as the records have kind of shown us, somebody always wants a pair of sneakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's like currency. Like, you can just, it's going to be there. It's like, exactly. It's, it's going to come out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, except... For the Nike basketball greater than sneakers that Robbie absolutely has wants nothing to do with. But angry uh, feelings. All he has is angry feelings for <laughs> I, I misread the text. I thought he loved them. Robbie said he wants all of them. <laughs> I want them all of them. In now. fact, I, I have it on good authority. Robbie said his firstborn child, whenever he or she may be born, will be greater than. <laughs> he's angry anyway, really texting right now I, I'm ah. speaking out of turn but continue Nick well so I wanted to talk about this for a completely different reason I think than everybody else because as a Kings fan seeing De'Aaron Fox post talk about this talk. on Instagram <laughs> you know it's it's been a while since we got a, a legit basketball shoe connected to the Kings um, I mean shout out to Nike for making that Air Max 1 for De'Aaron because that was definitely one of my favorite yeah. pickups of the last few years, but it's rare, you know, for Nike to involve some of those other players that aren't going to wear a signature shoe. I think partly because the cycle of basketball shoes is completely off the rockers right now with the pandemic and the seasons being off. And like, you know, I mean, it's just, we're just in a weird time for it, but I thought it was cool to see, you know, Darren Fox involved, you know, posting about it. Um, wearing the shoes, you know, posting on his story that he was lacing them up and all that stuff, because 
you know, personally, it, it gives me a personal connection and gives me a reason to actually want the shoes where, you know, it's, it's been, I think probably since, uh, like Tyreek Evans in the hyperdunk, you know, his kind of first or second year where he was getting the PE colorways that, you know, when they did like exclusives for everybody, uh, you know, like a house of hoops did like exclusives for every local NBA player that was on the Nike roster at that time. Um, so to me, that that in itself makes these interesting. Yeah, uh, I think you kind of alluded to it earlier. You know, my thought on these is that can they come in and capture that magic that was the Hyperdunk? You, you know, you just mentioned it. That was Hyperdunk was talked about from everybody, from uh, the casual player in the rec league to NBA players. The Hyperdunk was the shoe, and no matter what Nike has done since then, they've tried to. Um, bring new models in to replace it. Uh, I think the last model was the one that they actually, I, like the Hyperdunk React was the last model they did a couple years back, and they've tried to push other things, like the, uh, like I was a Hyperize or whatever it was. They just didn't, they didn't hit. They didn't, didn't catch on. And honestly, looking at these, you know, the breakdowns of technology, you have a particular model for three different types of players. I, I love it. Like, I, I love what's going on here. I, I may not love the aesthetics of one of these in particular, but I, I don't hate anything about the any of these shoes. I'm looking at the breakdown technology. I don't know what the price points are going to be, but I'm guessing everything's going to stay around that between 130 to 170, maybe 180 max. I think this is a perfect way to, to get back into that team basketball shoe with something people like, and you're not skimping out on anything. You're giving literally these things here, Make if you're not LeBron, make the rest of the signature players look like chump change when it comes to technology pieces. So if they market this right, I think they could literally swing the um, performance basketball game because people out there like Puma are killing them right now because their Puma's taking more time in their shoe. New Balance is really taking more time in their shoe and getting designs out there that people want. So if they want, they want to get back in the game, I think this has the potential to do it, especially again with what the guts are of the shoe. Yeah, and what the guts are are basically the three silhouettes, which I'll just use this opportunity to kind of open people's eyes. So we've got the Air Zoom GT Cut, which according to Nike uh, press release says are for players that favor cutting and change of direction. And then we've got the Air Zoom GT Run for energy return and running economy. And then lastly, the Air Zoom GT Jump for vertical jumping and impact protection. So to me, those silhouettes have language that I've seen in signature product before, especially with regards to the jump, where it's talking about vertical jumping and impact protection, which is something I always rightfully or wrongfully attribute to a LeBron shoe because there's a lot of weight in that man jumping and that shoe yeah. needs to lock it down. I will say this. The first colorway I saw the GT cut, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum from Robbie where it's that red, white, and yellow colorway. That looks like a breathtaking shoe. Like something about that shoe to me just demands eyeball attention yeah. and more power to them in the sense that Nike is projecting this as a performance-based shoe because I think we had kind of lost sight from a basketball signature perspective of, okay, are these shoes for the court or are they off the court? And Nike at its best has that hybrid approach where you can go directly from a game to whatever outdoor setting you want afterwards. We don't necessarily recommend it, but yeah. It works, it works, and the cut looks great for me. I'm interested to see what they do, and one other thing that I talked to the guys about before we started recording for the show is 
inevitably are we going to see the three pack where there's some sort of theme that ties everything together yeah well i mean look at the the cut reminds me of an actual on-court tennis shoe like for the mm -hmm. sport of tennis and that's why i think i like that one so much because i'm a big tennis fan but look at the breakdown of the shoe you have a full react foam drop in sole parabolic zoom air strobe. uh you're gonna have a stabilizer guard to make sure you're not falling out anywhere heel zoom air unit and they say thin rubber sole, so it's going to be light. This thing look, reminds me, look at the breakdown. It looks like you took a Kobe 8 and gave it all the steroids. And I love that shoe. And each one just improves on that design. For like they, they literally made it for each a cutter, a runner, and then a jumper. Because the jump is literally a LeBron shoe, if you look at the, the insides of it. And it may be a little That's bit more tech than LeBron's shoe has. Yeah, I think that I think it's 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 going to be really interesting. So like when I first saw the first colors that I saw were all the like kind of lime green, uh, you know, almost looks like, a, like the Volks. Yeah, like a almost looks like a Dunkman colorway, right? Like I don't know why, uh, yeah. like that just kind of pops into my head. Which to your guys's point about the technology, right? The jump obviously being like right up there with the LeBron shoe, you know. I think we obviously know it has to be slightly less than that in terms of uh, both price and performance, hopefully. But, you know, this is uh, this is like, a you know, a way for people to get excited about basketball shoes again for Nike, which I I think that, you know, it's been challenging for them to keep people excited that weren't excited about the a player specifically right like mm -hmm. obviously you know that brings you in you know as i said De'Aaron fox posting about this makes me interested from the get-go but then to see that like oh these are better much better than your kind of uh you know typical basketball shoe release um you know with with the technology at least and then you know having the the three choices i think is always kind of a good way to clarify for people to like, Hey, where do you fit into this? Right. And I think Nike's done that in a lot of different ways over the years. My first like kind of thought was like the air Jordan 2011, where you had the cartridges where it's yeah. like, you know, the one was, one was fast and one was strong or something like that. And mm -hmm. you Kobe know, and seven Kobe sevens. Yeah. yeah. Like you have like so many, so many uh, examples of them trying to provide two shoes in one which obviously I'm a fan of, you know, I think that's a, a great way for people to actually understand what the cushioning is and how it feels under your foot. But at the end of the day, I would also argue that like as great as the technology and the, and the, you know, swappability and, and the, the, you know, dynamic aspect of giving you different options for one shoe. Look, these three shoes are probably going to be significantly better performance wise without the, you know, interchangeable pieces, right? Because they don't have to worry about those little nuanced things that you would have to worry about if you're going to interchange, you know, a, a, an insole drop in or something, right? So mm -hmm. the fact that they all kind of have their own unique, uh, whether that's the, the, you know, the insole or the drop ins or whatever, and cushioning setups is also like another way to really draw in like a basketball consumer and like a sneakerhead that that is paying attention to this that's like hey you know this is going to be probably up there on par with the LeBron shoe or a, you know I would even say like the Jordan 35 right like the 
the GT Jump seems to be kind of targeted at that top of the line marketplace, whether yeah. whether there's a name attached to it or not. Um, we'll we'll see how how they roll out the rest of it and who ends up playing and who gets colorways and stuff. But to me, this is pretty exciting. And you know, I, I guess yeah. To to Rowett's point, I kind of land on the opposite end of the spectrum with with from Robbie on this one because I think it's the first time that I've seen something that is. I want to say generically targeted at team shoes uh, that that's actually exciting again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say two points kind of pop up in my head. One is the fact that you can often judge a a shoe in terms of what the company wants you to think about it based on the endorser. So to Nick's point, we've got De'Aaron Fox, who's been that next great point guard that's about to make that leap. And we're going to start mentioning him in those top 10 or even those top five discussions. But the inclusion of Sabrina Ionescu, right? Mm-hmm. Who has, in my mind, probably done more to revolutionize the women's game than any modern player, probably since Diana Taurasi and Maya Moore. Like, they have picked the one star to say, this is your shoe. And I think it shows a tactical brilliance with Nike because of the fact that Ionescu is that girl in basketball or is the woman. Sorry, I want to make sure I cover all the ladies uh, for ladies' night. But that is always interesting to me because they could have gone with a legacy person. They could have gone with a Candace Parker. They could have gone with somebody else. But I think the fact that Inescu being an Oregon Duck and then going to probably the biggest media market in the world in New York, she's going to have her every movement on a court be detected by everyone. And what better way to do it than this? The other thought I had was between these three shoes and the Cosmic Unity, I can't think of a more concentrated effort on non-signature basketball product from any one of the big three or the big two shoe competitors in a long time. Because this is the fourth product now, if we compare it, or we add the Cosmic Unity as well. And I wonder if this is signaling some sort of sea change that maybe, and I don't want to say this out loud, maybe the non-signature sneakers are about the same as the signature? Yeah. And I was thinking, like, kind of along that same thought process, Roy, are they going to start cutting signatures? Because, I mean... I may not be the biggest Paul George fan as a basketball player, but he has a signature shoe, but his shoe tends to sit on shelves longer. Um, I mean, are we going to start looking at that and say, hey, you know what? Let's take a step back. Let's get you into the shoe because each and every one of these shoes has more technology than PG's shoe has. Um, So I can see them say, hey, we're going to pull you back. We're going to get you some PEs and boom, we can go, go this way. But again, I don't know the thought process because I feel like everyone's getting a signature nowadays, but I feel like what I guess Nike is up to what LeBron, Kyrie, KD, PG. Is there anyone else I'm missing? Giannis. Only those... Giannis. Giannis. Giannis is another one I can see. Hey, this thing's been sitting on shelf for a hot minute. I see new. I see Freak Ones and Freak Twos at the same price level right now on sale at different stores. I can see them saying, "Hey, let's pull this back. Let's get you into this." this jump model or this cut model and get you some dope colorways because why keep, why are we going to put this product out as 120, 130 bucks respectively, because they are the the lower end, lower tier, sorry, lower tier of the price points, but we can give you something better, but we're not going to be making a separate product line anymore because this is just sitting here. Like if you look at the sales, I don't, I don't see many people wearing them on court or off when they can go ahead and, Get Cosmic Unity for 130 It's the 140 They can get these for various price points. I see as a business move, I would look at my two bottom tier guys in a sense of shoe sales, 
Let's get them in these bad boys. They're big market guys. Let's push it. Because Kobe started out in the hype, or, you know, Hirachi 2Ks, Hyperdunks. Those things move like hotcakes because of Kobe. Let's use that same formula and give these guys better performance and not get them stuck into these the same cycle of, you know, sell shoes, basically. I mean, not only that, Mike, it, let's say that scenario you've called that works out, right? So we get rid of signatures, almost like a blip in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Whatever these great players are wearing, whatever that shoe may be called, it's going to be changed to, oh, that's a Giannis shoe. So mm-hmm. even if the shoe is not called Air Giannis, because Giannis is that great of a player and he has that devoted cult-like following there, everybody's like, oh, I want the Air Giannis shoe. This, exactly. These informal nicknames will kind of take over. The other thing I've noticed as well is from a Nike global football perspective, they've been getting rid of a lot of their top male endorsers and focusing more on younger players as well as the female side of the game. Because now Nike women's soccer is probably as dominant, and I can make the argument that the uh, U.S. women's team is the modern-day equivalent of the Nike Brazil soccer team in terms of just overall dominance and this certain (laughs) pedigree that comes with putting on the stars and stripes and dominating every opponent you play. And the thing I see with Nike basketball right now is maybe we haven't done as great of a job celebrating the younger players because that younger generation isn't going to slot in. Mm -hmm. But right now, Nike is very top heavy in terms of its athletes being at their prime, if not exiting their prime. So I do wonder what's going to happen in the future, because that's going to be a very interesting thing to follow. Mm -hmm. So I think it's I think it's actually almost just the opposite in a way i think that i think that there's probably going to be more profit in a paul george shoe a yana shoe even on a discount um and because they're flooding the market with colorways i mean we've talked about it before but like the reality is like a profit margin in terms of you know a shoe has very little to do with whether it sells out right away or not. Because oh, for sure. like if we look at, you know, like take Dunks or Jordans right now, right? Okay, if if there's 30,000 pairs of a shoe and it sells out on sneakers, that's not a lot of profit. Mm-hmm. But if there's, if there's 20 colorways of PGs or Giannis shoes, you know, or Kyrie's, right? Kyrie seems like he has even t- two or three times as many as everybody else. Oh, KD, right? Like, I mean, yeah. all these guys have like tons of colorways, mm-hmm. but because they're, I think too, because all those guys have their signature models are in that 130, 140 price range, you know, with, you know, maybe, maybe expanding a little bit on that for like the special releases and stuff. Yeah. But part of it is like the, the nature of consumers to buy, I still think like $100, $120 is a very tough price to get over for a lot of parents that are buying kids basketball shoes, right? I think that, yeah, it'd be nice to think that you're going to buy them the LeBrons every time around. But like, why buy why buy a brand new pair of LeBrons at full retail when you know that three months from now there's going to be colorways that are discounted? So. You know, sure. I don't know if, if you know, my hope is that hype doesn't play into the, like, young basketball consumer purchasing scenarios, right? Because if it right. does, then they're paying, you know, those full prices, and we're just moving in, like, a crazy direction for all that stuff. The price points of of sneakers are already, you know, 
significantly higher than what I think they should be. Um, but I also understand that like, you know, the market's going to, if the market's going to pay for it and everything's going to sit on the secondary market, there's no reason for Nike to adjust their prices. Like why, why not take the profit? Like ultimately their responsibility is, you know, is to their investors and their, their board and all of that. It's not to the consumer, but I think that, I think that like the other part about, you know, to people wearing the shoes, the, the hard part about taking away those signature models from some of their top tier athletes is like, who carries the torch after LeBron, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if they don't have signature athletes kind of falling in line behind LeBron, scaled down, you know, like KD is, or uh, Kyrie is obviously probably next in line in terms of just like sheer popularity, number of players, both in college, on in the WNBA, in yeah. the league, everybody's mm-hmm. wearing Kyrie's shoes. Um, but if they don't do that, there's too many players that that wear regular Nikes. You know, maybe this series, the GT series, ends up being more than regular Nikes. But like, you know, like there's, there's they're in a tough spot with basketball right now too. Like we talked about before, right? Like people are Kobe Kobe fans are wearing the Grinch, right? A lot of the guys that came up watching Kobe want to wear Kobe's shoes. Yeah. Kobe's shoes are not the the best technology out there. They're not the best available shoes. Kobe's we don't need DeMar DeRozan to wear Kobe's for Nike to sell Kobe's. I think it's yeah. great that he he plays in them as a tribute. I think it's cool that Dwight's been playing in in Kobe's both Reeboks and and Nike's. Like that's been cool to see. But, you know, like Kobe's stuff sells without those guys. And yeah. I think that those guys ultimately hurt their own legacies by playing in Kobe shoes because they don't, they're not setting, you know, maybe with DeMar where he's getting a ton of colorways on it, you know, that are specifically his, but my hope is that, or my thought is that like basketball as a, because Nike has such a stronghold on the market and there's so many people wearing Nikes, it's almost like too saturated with Nikes. So if they don't have these, signature athletes to distinguish between whatever the GR shoe is of the year of the season and like the others, like they've got to keep all that in consideration when LeBron decides to hang it up. Right. Because that's going to be the toughest transition because look, I, I I don't know what you're going to do to get me to go from, I'm not a Kyrie fan and I probably won't own a Kyrie shoe. I've got a handful of Paul George's. I've got a few Giannis's. But like the Kyrie shoe being probably the next visible, you know, uh, throne taker from from LeBron as as he steps yeah. aside, it's hard for me to think that that they're going to be able to turn that into more profit when they flooded the market with one hundred and forty dollar price point, and LeBron's are you know one sixty one eighty whatever. Um, yeah, it's a really it's going to be a really interesting few years as as. You know, I mean, hopefully LeBron just keeps playing for another five to ten years, and we're all like watching him play at fifty or something. You know, so anything is possible. I know that's the other guy's phrase, but with LeBron, that truly is the case. I also think what Jordan kind of did by taking the quote-unquote younger talent, right? They've picked up Zion, they've picked up Luca. Those to me would be the candidates to usher in that new generation. And I wonder, is this? a cannibalization of sorts because what's going to happen when you put a person on team Jordan is more than likely they're not going to get their own signature sneaker. Is that fair to say? Or it's not a good one. It's there you go. That's another way of looking at it. Yeah, no. And you're absolutely right. Like who's, 
who in the past has said, you know what, I'm really checking for CPs. Like, Chris Paul is a great player, but the shoe energy is not the same as the player energy. Yeah. And I just wonder, like, are we going to see the death of the signature model like you guys were saying? Because it's almost coming up empty now because either players are promised one way or the other. And this also kind of goes back to the kind of speculation or gossip of LeBron picked his anointed successor because you had mentioned kind of Kyrie is the next in terms of the line of succession. LeBron wanted Luca. LeBron yep. wanted Luca to be the face of team LeBron. And maybe it shows to the dominance of Jordan yet again, that he was able to pillage this one player away and say, Nope, LeBron, he's mine. <laughs> and maybe that's, Maybe that's a glorified F you to LeBron. Maybe I'm reading too much into it because I am a conspiracy theorist for the right reasons and not the wrong reasons. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I do think the Kyrie's secret sauce is the fact that he does so well being an advocate for the women's game that that love is spread. And I can't say the same about, let's say, a LeBron or a KD shoe because when the NBA season is done, the WNBA season picks up. And that's where we see almost a second life for the Kyries that we don't see for any other signature product. Well, Tarasi wears the LeBrons, right? The Diana Tarasi. Okay. So you have Maybe. Super Bird and the Kyries, you have Diana Tarasi yep. in, the, in the LeBrons. But it just, they have a better, like the keep Sue fresh is always, that's all, you know, that's the whole thing they were doing with all of the, the cool Kyrie PEs. And no, you're right. But she, it just gives a little bit more life. We don't talk about Tarasi so much. We talk about all the dope PE she has, like, kind of after the fact, but during the season, the only shoe people really talk about are Kyrie's because of, of Sue Bird. Yeah, I mean, and it's exactly that, because the Kyrie's, and there have been multiple colorways where it's, like, the woman's touch or female yeah. is queen or king. I'm butchering all of these, I'm sure, but I just don't see that, and that, to me, is an opportunity lost, and maybe that's yeah. not a part of the LeBron business plan, but I think even with regards to Steph having that, popular story about the young lady who wanted to buy a pair of mm -hmm. Steph sneakers and she couldn't and she had the wherewithal to write Steph a letter and knock on wood Steph and Under Armour responded brilliantly by saying okay you know what this is a unfed portion of the market let's mm -hmm. make these shoes for girls but I would think we'd see more and more but I guess we're not but maybe that's something we'll have to solve for another day you know, yeah I, it's 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 uh it's going to be really interesting. I mean, you guys both made great points. And I think, you know, just thinking about the different aspects of the sport that they have to embrace across all kind of nuances is it's kind of like, like dumbfounding in a sense, right? If you really think about all the things you have to think about, all the people, all the styles, all the, you know, like there's just a lot more to it and, yeah. you know, kind of circling back to this, this, you know, GT series. I think that the other part about this that I really like is just that it, it takes away a lot of that. And is like, this is going to be, you know, you kind of alluded to it, Mike, like it's hard as a, as a sneaker fan to not see this as like Nike putting their foot down and saying, no, we make the best team shoes on the market because as much as like, I love some of the Puma stuff, I, I, uh, the, the Converse Evo stuff, like, mm -hmm. like there's a lot of good basketball shoes out right now, but this just seems like Nike, you know, kind of like taking it next level once again to be like, no, we're still the top dog. We're still here. Yeah. We're still playing. And you guys got to go back to the drawing table and, and figure out how to step <laughs> your game up this time around. So, 
but well i guess uh so the 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 last question would be what which which pair are you guys going to go after uh i i am leaning towards a cut just because i, I do like the lower lower cut nikes uh, for or lower cut basketball shoes in general but i love the fact like i said it reminds me of just the, looking purely at the pieces of the sneaker looks like a kobe 8 on steroids because i love the kobe 8 the drop in lunar this was drop and react but you also got the full uh zoom strobel heel i mean you got the heel piece uh heel zoom bag as well so i mean you can't beat that i'm really excited about it i i like the cut and i will also say i think the run is kind of getting overlooked so to speak because the jump is the jump and we've kind of attributed that to lack of a better term the lebron shoe and as mike is so gracefully pointed out the zoom gt cut is the evolutionary form of the kobe 8 just the fact that we've got double stack forefront zoom that intrigues me so as somebody that runs around a lot like a headless chicken on the court i think i should at least feel comfortable as i get my six points a game with a hopeful war of one (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I, uh i'm with you though like i think like uh I generally, you know, get excited about the cut because of the connection to De'Aaron, but like, honestly, like all three of these to me would be, I think all three of these are going to be, you know, unless Nike screwed something up and, you know, there's some like ankle collar, uh, you know, damaging (laughs) aspect of it. Um, Generally speaking, it's, it's, uh, I'd be happy with any of them, to be honest. Like, let's, let's, uh. Let's let's see if it actually is available or if it's one of those things that they throw on the sneakers and none of us are able to actually get our hands on. So Nike, help your boys out. We're just trying to review these bad boys. I'm <laughs> no, just gonna no, say it. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. We're just trying to help you all out. We're trying to see what they're all about. Get Mike a pair. Get Mike a pair. Oh no, I'm trying but... I'm trying to feed the crew. Let's feed the crew. I'm trying everybody to get something. Let's go. <laughs> I appreciate that, Mike, but we know how you get down with the Cosmic Unities. I just want lightning to strike four more times for you. That would be fantastic. We'll see. We'll see if it strikes once. So. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that, that about wraps it up. Thanks, everybody, for, for rocking with us. Let us know what you think about the, uh, the GT family of systems, as Nike is calling them. Um, interestingly enough, these are releasing in uh, China to start, and then they'll be available in the U.S. around the end of the month. But um I think, uh, you know, equally as important in this episode is that story around the, uh, the refurbished section at the, uh, at the Nike outlets. You can see that photo on, on sneaker history, Instagram, but, uh, otherwise, uh, you can follow me at Nick Ingvall and, uh, guys let them know how they can find you. Yeah. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at madwatcher 789 And of course on YouTube at Mike Guillory, Roy, tell them where they can find you, buddy. I am on Twitter at Rohizi and on Instagram at M 13 Thank you guys as always for listening. We can't do this show without you. So for sure you go a long way in making sure our midlife and third life crises aren't as bad as we think they are. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better. Thanks for watching. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace. See you, everybody. <laughs>
That also gets you access to our Discord group, which is a lot of fun. Also, make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. We just started uploading our videos there now, so you can watch the video version of the pod and a lot more. Last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. It's a small gesture that can go a really long way to making somebody's day a little bit better. Thanks again, and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.